Good day, everyone. My name is Bon or Strix.eth, and this is Tip of the Iceberg, episode number two, brought to you by Iceberg Labs. Today is May 12th, 2023. If you're listening to this, I thank you so much. Today, our topics are going to be Pudgy Penguins $9 million seed round, Imaginary Rides Mint, Pepe Continues, Bitcoin Ordinal Season seems to be picking up, the Milady Giga Pump from Elon Musk himself, Blur's Lending Protocol Continues, and as always, we're going to finish it off with some ENS sales. I hope you enjoyed last episode, and I hope you enjoy this one even more. Let's get right into it. So, Pudgy Penguins raises 9 million seed round, led by 1KX to build the next great IP company. So, Pudgy Penguins, ever since Luca Nets bought them for $2.5 million in April 2022, so that's only 13 months ago now. And they have a $9 million seed round. So that's almost a 4x of an investment from what he bought it at. And that's not the valuation. We don't know the valuation. I couldn't find it in the press releases and the articles. But clearly, um, everyone is really impressed with what he's done with it because he bought it for $2.5 million and now has $9 million being invested in it. You can see the tweet here back from, from January of 2022, where he tweeted, 750 E for Pudgy Penguins, make your move at Cole Ethereum, which is the original founder of Pudgy Penguins. I guess it took a couple months to actually get it sorted out. So one of the big things about Pudgy is you see it says the next great IP company. So Pudgies are killing it on social media. They're building out their IP. They're doing it arguably better than anyone in the space, I would say. So if you use Giphy or any GIFs at all, they are killing that. They have over 3 billion plus GIF views, which last I checked is more GIF views than Hello Kitty. So think about the IP Hello Kitty. So I had to look it up right now on Giphy while we're doing this. Hello Kitty has 2.2 billion views on their GIFs. Now they have 74 uploads of GIFs for anyone to use. And now let's check out Pudgy Penguins. Sorry if you're watching this on YouTube. I'm not putting this on the screen just because I'm quickly doing this and uh, looking at it on my phone. So Pudgy Penguins has 3.1 billion views. So that is a billion more almost than Hello Kitty. But they have 2.6K uploads. So they're clearly leveraging it um, to the best of their abilities by uploading thousands of GIFs instead of only tens of GIFs like, like something like Hello Kitty because... Uh, Hello Kitty's not as focused on it, obviously, but it's still super impressive for Pudgy Penguins to have 33% more gift views than Hello Kitty, which is really in the same lane, but from more of a traditional IP standpoint. So they also have their Instagram, which is killing it. They have over half a million followers on Instagram and tens of millions of views on these Instagram videos. You should check out their Instagram if you're on Instagram. I love it. Um, it's just positive vibes and funny little things done with the Pudgy IP on there. If you're unfamiliar with Pudgy Penguins a bit or Luca's take on how he's going to do all this, a lot of people in NFTs go, oh, they have all this Instagram followers. They have these gifts. They're making plushy toys. What is that going to do for the floor price of the NFTs? Why should we even care? If that's your thought on this, I think you need to reevaluate some stuff and you may only be here for financial purposes because it's at it's at the point now in nfts where you got to build a real business and something tangible luca nets um he bought this a year ago and i guess like 
you know, he, he hasn't had that much funding. He never minted anything and took in funds or anything like that. So this is his first capital, real capital injection other than some royalties to do what he wants to do. But he has bootstrapped um, companies before, I believe, and sold over $100 million with the product and some other ones. I've, I've listened to him on some spaces, I think. I think this might be his third company where he's doing this. And he's talked about the power of the IP and things as simple as being number one when you search a toy on Amazon. Like he knows how to leverage this. And he's talked about how amazing NFTs are when you relate it back to, you know, more web two traditional companies. So think about starting a brand new IP company. How hard would it be to get 10,000 people to be champions of your business? How hard would it be to get 10,000 people to, you know, go review everything you do, tweet about you, praise you, all this stuff. When you have an NFT company, project, PFP project, whatever, and you have these holders that body, they're showing you that they love what you're doing. And they're going to basically support you because it's also supporting them and it goes along with what they're doing. Now, there's nothing wrong with holders voicing other opinions and giving feedback. I'm sure someone like Luca or any founder should welcome feedback. But if you think about it, go try to launch a Web2 product right now or company. And how would you get, you know, between 1,000 and 10,000 people to be your biggest supporters. How would you go about that? The NFT space is still so in its infancy that even right now, if you launched a new NFT project and thought it out, made the price right, waited for gas to be low, and you actually planned it out, you could end up with between like a thousand and ten thousand people who are really interested in your product off the start because they get to buy basically buy the first thing that you ever put out and be involved and be incorporated in it from there on out. So sorry, that stemmed from the Amazon thing I was talking about. He was talking about what if when you typed in the word toy on Amazon, a pudgy penguins plushie for 10 to $20 comes up as the first thing. And he said, well, he has all these supporters that are clearly champions. He can mention, oh, we got our plushies over here. Everyone should like go buy one for only $10 or whatever and give it a rating on Amazon. You give it give it 5,000 ratings, do, do the SEO right, all this stuff you can get up there. And that in itself is huge for the business. So that just relates to having between 1,000 and 10,000 champions of your business. You can't get that loyalty to a brand anywhere else that I can think of. Yes, there are people that are loyal to brands like Pokemon and uh, Hello Kitty or other things, but like this is a new thing unlocked. And Luca Nets is the one who made me realize this, and I think he's brilliant. And he's, I think he's one of the first people to realize just what he has here at his fingertips. Um, coming from the Web Two stuff that he's already done well in, he sees this as like an accelerator to to a startup IP company. So I'm really interested to see what he does. And he also, like I said, he hasn't minted NFTs for income into the business to, to spend before. So having all these plushies, which they've launched in GameStop in Australia already and are doing well, is a you know flow, cash flow generating thing, which is good because 
the cash comes in, they develop things for Web2 side of things, traditional things, maybe IRL, but also continue to include Web3 and potentially some of the cash flows into Web3 stuff. And it's just all growth for a company that is based around this main NFT collection of Pudgy Penguins. That's all I'm going to say about that. I I listened to him on a couple spaces, and uh, it, you should tune in to something by Luke Kness if you're interested in one of the brightest minds here in the NFT space and someone who I think is doing things right and, and is definitely going to succeed. Last episode, we mentioned the Imaginary Rides Mint that was coming up and stuff. So the original plan for the Imaginary Rides was a 0.13 ETH, uh, mint a 20k collection but only 10,800 available for mint so slightly over half and they were doing this thing where you deposited the ETH and they wouldn't have an open sea collection for I think four days afterwards um, I think this was partially because yeah this was because of gas and they were concerned that some people uh, would wait around and others would would mint and then the collection wouldn't mint out at the speed they wanted and people would start undercutting the floor and stuff like that. I think that's why. But anyway, they they did go through in this high gas environment to try and do this mint. And, you know, I would say it didn't go that great, but they pivoted, which is important to see. They pivoted a lot, really, because they, they had a supply of 20K originally and they changed it down to 13,888. So that's 6,000 more than 6,000 decrease and that's also over 60 that's like a 60% decrease on the mintable supply because the uh, so the the 9,200 that weren't mintable didn't change because they still have to give those out so the mintable supply changed the most drastically here went from 10,800 down to 4,467 so that is over 6,000 less mintable supply, and they had to extend it by six hours. But they did mint out the 4,467 after extending it. it did, they did get all the deposits, and now I'm recording this on the morning of May 12th. They have now airdropped them all. They, they did well on it, but they were having to, uh, if you're on YouTube, you can see I have a screenshot here from the Discord. They were looking at the, the gas situation basically and they they were apologizing saying guys we got to wait because listen to this if they want to airdrop all of them at a hundred gui it would have cost them 120 ETH in fees and airdrop at 60 gui 70 ETH in fees but they got the airdrop done they started it last night and uh i don't know what gui they got it at but i'm gonna guess it was probably you know still around 40 or 50 gui so it was probably still like 50 ETH plus in fees. Not 100% sure what GUI they got it at, but let's just check the imaginary rides floor price real quickly. So it looks like we're sitting at a 0.09 ETH floor after 0.13 ETH mint. So they're down a bit, but that's nothing major there. And that's gonna happen um, waiting on reveals sometimes. Usually, usually pre-reveals a good time to hold and, and sell before a reveal on projects but you know this is a unique situation they had some some things to work through and they were committed to doing their mint which i respect and they pivoted which i also respect so that's all i'm going to say on that they got their mint done their bubble rider game was successful millions of plays happened they had over fifty thousand different unique players 
all that, and now they're building out more stuff with with these casual games and a carnival and all kinds of stuff. So if you're interested in casual Web3 gaming, go check it out. The Imaginary One's floor price as well is down on uh, on the Mint actually happening now. Let's just check the Imaginary One's floor price really quickly here. Um, so the Imaginary One's floor price is down to 0 0.75, and that was at 1.18, I do believe, not too long ago. So yeah, on um, 1.37 on May 7th, so five days ago, 1.37 and down to 0.75 uh, drop. So you're you're talking a, a good chunk there at this point, over 33% or so, I guess. But uh, that's going to happen. You know, people were holding, waiting for, I guess, uh, rides, airdrops to those, those holders and stuff like that, and waiting to mint. And uh, yeah, maybe people reacted to... To how the mint went and stuff like that and caused some sort of sell-off on top of it and compounded well that's all we're going to say on the imaginary rides mint good luck to them i am super impressed with the way they continue to build you guys ever heard of uh pepe uh the mean coin you ever heard of it uh well the pepe holders bags are getting a lot heavier now the market cap once passed over 1.5 billion now sitting at 500 million as I record this, so that is down 67% or more. There, I know it peaked beyond 1.5, so two down two thirds or more for some people here at this point. So bags are getting heavy. The thing about this was this was up only for so long that the vibes were so positive and everyone was acting like they were winning because Pete, genuinely you could have you had like a week there where you almost couldn't have lost there. But now you got holders for sure that are in the red. So that changes things. Sentiments change quickly when um, percentages of holders go from in the green to in the red. So Gemini, a relatively big exchange to get on, uh, listed Pepe. Um, so that's one thing. But OpenSea Pro also enables buying in Pepe um, and selling in Pepe. So I didn't even see anyone really care that this happened. Um, as Pepe was pumping, people were doing their own like open mints on Manifold.xyz, the minting platform. They were allowing minting in Pepe and stuff, so people were doing that. And I can see why you would try and make, you know, an artist would try and make like some Pepe art and capitalize on that and pull in Pepe for themselves during the pump. That makes sense. Um, I'm not sure how much Pepe holders care to go buy and sell NFTs on OpenSea with Pepe because these people are just holding Pepe and hoping to moonshot and probably uh, make some money for to, to take out of NFTs with it. Who knows? I'm not sure if any Pepe sales have been happening on OpenSea, but you can go check that out. Um, but the big thing here is that Coinbase stated the history of Pepe in an email or in some some area of the site or something but they said what you should know about pepe the mean coin of the moment pepe which was issued around three weeks ago with a comically huge supply of 420 trillion tokens been the leading meme coin activity the token is based on the pepe the frog meme which first served on the internet nearly 20 years ago as a comic strip character over time it has been co-opted as a hate symbol by alt-right groups according to the anti-defamation league so um from my knowledge, this is just kind of stating what has happened in the history of Pepe. Um, people took the Twitter and started 
of trend, hashtag delete Coinbase. All the Pepe holders, of course, were were furious about this um, because it's basically the holy grail of central exchange is who could list you doing this and just kind of giving out information about Pepe, um, which it is what it is. It's It's kind of taken on its life of its own. I don't think that people who are buying Pepe and stuff are, you know, hating. But they were just kind of saying, you know, here's the history of this coin. The strange part about this for me is one, the, well, it's not strange. It's not that surprising. The huge reaction from Pepe holders on Twitter. I mean, there's 49,000 tweets of hashtag delete Coinbase trending in business and finance at one point when this happened. So that's a lot of Pepe holders, you know, getting upset, tweeting about it and stuff like that. Um, these are supposed to be looked at as by them as, you know, financial assets. So the question that I would ask you to think about or what I'm curious about is why did Coinbase decide to do this about the coin? Not that stating history of it is wrong, um, but why did they, they choose to do this about Pepe? I don't know. The overreaction of hashtag delete Coinbase also extreme. So a couple of two weird things happening here, in my opinion. But there's a part of the whole thing that Coinbase said that most people on Twitter were cropping out when they were talking about it. And that's after the first part I read out. They said, after gaining popularity on Twitter, the meme token last weekend became the fastest Ethereum token to reach a billion market cap before crashing more than 50% in the following days. It's meteoric rise, though minted at least a couple potentially temporary millionaires. One trader turned $250 worth of Pepe into more than a million, while another spent $263 and flipped it into more, more than $3.8 million in profits. So, you know, I don't think they do this. I've never seen this for coins. I'm not on Coinbase before. So them doing that, super interesting. Not sure if it has anything to do with them versus SEC. And then kind of trying to show some kind of angle that they do care about the tokens that they put on their platform and stuff like that. Maybe they're, you know, maybe this has to do with showing that they they do be careful with the tokens that they put up and kind of to try and show that they do their due diligence on what they're putting on their platform and stuff to kind of try and lend it and say, hey, look, we we do our due diligence in this. So obviously we do our due diligence about what may or may not be a security potentially. I don't know. But Coinbase is a really important player in this space for us. Brian Armstrong, the CEO, and the company is out there fighting the battle for us against SEC. They filed a lawsuit recently against SEC. It's It sucks to see the delete Coinbase thing happening in my opinion. And this, this, you know, going back and forth because they're one of the the people out there fighting for us against SEC. Um, so it would have been great for all of us to just be able to back Coinbase. Um, this is a huge reaction. And that's all I really got to say about it. I just wanted to kind of report on it. I don't really have that much feelings about it either way. Weird for Coinbase to do this. Also, kind of wild of a response to that 49K tweets. But it's not shocking because the army of Pepe holders is huge and vocal. So it is what it is. Um, we'll see if anything else happens here with Pepe. All right, let's talk some Bitcoin ordinals. This isn't just an Ethereum-based podcast here. We're going to cover things that are going on in the market. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, 
flow, whatever it may be. So Bitcoin ordinal momentum is clearly building. You can't avoid it. It's not, it, it, people thought it was a fad back in February. It's looking more like it, it's going to be here to stay and there's a lot more to come from this. So as of May 9th, the total ordinal volume based on at DOMO's Dune Analytics dashboard was $87 million in volume. I guess that's since February through now. $87 million in volume, but it's been picking up recently. The top 10 collections in the last seven days have 226 Bitcoin in volume. So that equates to 6.1 million USD. So that was on May 11th. That was two days after the 87 million was reported. Um, they did another 6 million in just the top 10 collections. So the 87 million, that is in everything. Two days later, just within that week span, they had done seven or 6.1 million on just the top 10 collections alone. And you can go past the top 10 collections. And so the 10th highest collection in seven day volume is Ordinal Pumps. This is from only two sales. 6.2 Bitcoin um, from two sales. So, you know, that's over three Bitcoin average. That's what is that around 100,000 USD? I'm Canadian, so, but it's a lot of money. If you keep going beyond that 11, 12, 13, 14, there's tons of collections with over one Bitcoin in seven day volume. So, that I'm just talking top 10 collections, seven day volume, $6.1 million. There's, there's thousands and thousands of more dollars worth of volume if you keep going down. So the top, I'll just say a couple of the top collections. Bitcoin Frogs was number one. Pixel Pepe's, number two. Bitcoin Punks, number three. D-Gods, number four. And Doge Punks, number five. You can go check this out. This is from Best in Slots website. They're an aggregator for ordinals. So, you know, you're pushing $100 million in volume on ordinals. The other part of the volume is these BRC20 tokens. So this is where the volume on ordinals might get a bit confusing. Um, if you go check out the volume on ordinals, you're going to see a lot more than what I was just talking about, depending where you look. Because if they include these BRC20 tokens, which people are calling the Bitcoin equivalent of an ERC20 token on Ethereum, that's debatable. But anyway, they have well over $100 million in volume on those. So what I was talking about, 87 million in the past time frame, that is just on the actual NFT picture side of things. These BRC20 tokens technically are ordinals and inscriptions. So the volume that you may see may fall, get combined, but I'm separating them here. So these BRC20 tokens are pretty new. So I'm going to give you some stats from May 11th. I grabbed this last night. So the total market cap of all BRC20 tokens out there circulating at this time, $500 million. And in the last 24 hours, this was on May 11th, so 24 hours prior, there was $206 million in volume. So like I said, if you include that in ordinal volume, we're talking way higher numbers, but I'm separating it for this. So the volume in the last 24 hours, over $200 million. Um... If you go check that out and compare it to Pepe, Pepe's volume itself might be higher. But this is brand new, and it is it is rapidly increasing in, in volume and activity and tokens being launched and stuff like that. Personally, I have some ordinal exposure. Back in February, I knew someone who was rushing to create their own collection under 50K 
inscriptions, which is super important now. We're past 5 million inscriptions, so sub 50K, pretty cool at this point. I bought one. I've been holding it since then because I held it. This big other Bitcoin project has airdropped. They had a partnership, and I've been airdropped like 10 different things from this Bitcoin machine project. Um, they're building out this whole ecosystem that is pretty cool as well. But they also launched a BRC20 token for that gaming ecosystem I'm referencing. So I ended up getting an option to free claim my first BRC20 tokens. Um, and so I do have some insight here on how this all goes at this point. And it ain't easy. There's friction. There is friction. But that means you're early. That Everyone knows that when there's a clear demand for something but it's still really tedious and hard to do and there's friction and it's slow means you're probably er just early to something that's going to be going to be big um and and there's friction and you got to deal with it if you want to try and capitalize on being early so these brc20 tokens are interesting because they are supposed to be like an erc20 token where you can just buy one two three four but you have to mint them as an nft so for instance i claimed 584 zbit tokens um that's a brc20 token once i got my 584 as an nft i had to create a transfer token of the 584 to be able to sell it but i could have chose to do 84 on one NFT another 100, another 200 on, on a bunch of different NFTs. And then I'd have a handful of them, one with 84, one with 100, one with 200, one with 50, so forth. And then I could sell each of them as a, and they're, they're a bundle. They're, they're kind of static in that way. So it also creates friction on the secondary market because you can't go buy 73 of them if nobody has a bundle of 73 listed. So you can't just go in with some money and choose and just like grab your little, you know, dial and go, yep, I'll get 90 of those at whatever the floor price is. No, the floor price, there's also arbitrage based on what marketplace you go on for these. And the also the, the interesting part is like you'll see some of the ones that people, some people are bundling like 100 tokens at 50 cents each and they're selling them because some people want exposure and they but they don't have enough money to buy like i said so 100 tokens at 50 cents each um so they're willing to buy that but that technically 50 cents per token could be 10 percent higher than the floor price of the cheapest one because someone could have a thousand listed at 45 cents each so you have to pay a thousand times 45 cents versus paying 100 times 50 cents so you're talking 450 dollars versus 50 dollars but the average cost of the token is lower on the bundle of a thousand. But you have to buy that grouping of a thousand. So it is really inefficient in that way. Um, but like I said, we're super early here. Another indicator that the momentum and stuff of inscriptions and BRC20 and ordinals is, is building is the fact that Bitcoin's blockchain is completely clogged up by all of these transactions and everything. Um, definitely look into all that and how many Satoshis and stuff you have to pay and how long it's going to take and all this before you get into something like this. It, it's definitely a learning experience. Arguably, the best way to learn is to try and go do it, but be safe, please, if you, you do it. Um, 
this is not financial advice. Um, you could definitely lose some money messing up, sending stuff. Um, you could overpay. There's arbitrage opportunities. There's also the weird thing where there's a there's a specific static number you have to buy. So just know that you know it's not not as frictionless as stuff on Ethereum these days. We're just saying something. Um, because stuff isn't frictionless over there yet either. Um, so just be careful. Check out the aggregators, the different websites, and, and everything like that. And don't overpay on Satoshis for fees, because um, it can still take a long time, and you're just paying for no reason. Uh, just look into that. Go to Twitter. Go to Discords. Do do your research a bit before, and maybe start playing with it. You know, um, do do with that as you will. Moving on from Ordinals, I got one thing to say as we head back over to ETH. There is no meme, I love you. Elon tweets a meme of a milady with that caption on it. There is no meme, I love you. So milady's in the Ethereum collection, been around for a couple years now. They have this uh, 4chan-like culture. They are hated or loved in the space. They, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to say anything too bad or good about it. I'm here to just talk about what happened here. So Elon tweets a milady. I have no idea if he knows what, what a milady is, but if you're on YouTube, you can see the screenshot of his tweet has 31 million views and 24,000 retweets and 240k likes. So upon this happening, the milady floor went from under four ETH with the biggest, arguably biggest God candle I've ever seen in an NFT floor price under 4 ETH to 7.5 ETH instantly. If you were active at this time and like on Twitter and able to list your milady, not sure why you didn't sell if you didn't. I'm, I'm sorry, you should have. I don't care how much you love it. This is the most obvious sell the news event I have ever seen in NFTs because we're in the middle of a bear market and the floor price of your NFT just literally doubled. And it wasn't a double from 0.1 to 0.2. It was from under 4 ETH to 7.5 ETH. Sell the news. So I believe this is the third or fourth time Elon's tweeted out memes from NFTs. I have no idea if he knows. I know back when he made his profile picture, a bunch of apes, board apes, he knew what they were. But he's also tweeted out uh, Seize the Memes, I think, from 6529's meme collection. Um, so there's the board apes, there's that, there's the milady. I think there might be one more. But anyway, Elon is tweeting out some stuff. And, you know, he's a, he seems to spend a lot of time on Twitter. And stuff, so maybe he just stumbles upon and he has no idea that these are NFTs and he has no idea that he's he's doubling floor prices of stuff and going from eight thousand to fifteen thousand dollars and stuff like that over here. Um, but it is interesting for us people that are deep into NFTs and tracking floor prices and stuff. I don't really have any thoughts on the Milady specifically to talk about. I just trying to report on the floor price here. Um now at this point, it, it went from under four up to seven and a half, and it looks like it's sitting around four and a half now. Let's actually just quickly pull up Milady Maker is the name of it on OpenSea. As you can see, if you're on YouTube, we have a 4.25 ETH floor price with a best offer of 3.55 week. So that is a big drop, almost back down to where it was at this point. Let's check out OpenSea Pro just to see the true floor price of this, this collection. So we're using OpenSea Pro now to check out the true floor prices. This, this is one of the collections in the Blur Blend 
lending protocol. So I think it, I definitely want to go to OpenSea Pro to check this out because a lot of volume on Blur. Uh, 4.15 floor with an offer of 4.11. So down around 4 again after going up to 7.5. That's getting close to where it was. But, but even so, these are probably going to have some longevity. They've had longevity already. It, leading up to this, the floor price is gone. I believe it was like all the crypto and meme coin people have been big on the Milady. So the floor price has been steady rising for the past three, four weeks as well. Yeah, so I, I just had to get a 30-day chart to check out. So back on April 12th, Miladies were under 2 ETH. So they've been on a steady incline this whole meme coin season because they've been early to Pepe and these other meme coins, and a lot of them are making a lot of money, rotating it back into Miladies and stuff. So they've been on a steady volume and price incline. And then just to, as they're already going up, Elon hits the Giga Pump button and sends it from 3.8 to 7.5 ETH. So that's about a double in price. And now we're back down to 4.11 ETH. And that's pretty much it on the floor price. We're, it's interesting that Blur got involved in this because my next topic is going to be Blur and is going to roll right into this. Because Blur made themselves one of the side characters in this tweet that Elon Musk did. Let's roll right into talking about Blend at this point. So rolling over into Blur, they decided it was a good time to advertise their lending protocol and stuff like that. Their buy now, buy now, pay later system. And they quote tweeted, Elon Musk tweet and said, you can buy a Milady for only 0.9 ETH and pay or sell the rest later. Well, let's hope nobody did this when they were 7.5 ETH. Gabrielle Layden, big name in Twitter, did the Super Bowl commercial, Limit Break, it's the company he's with, said LMFAO with a skull face, said 5.7 E at the time of the tweet, 10 minutes later, down 4.7 E, so down 1 E, with a 3% daily interest on now what your stuff paying off. So you can see um, what happened here. They, they want to use this time to advertise their buy now, pay later feature with which, you know, fair game, um, it is the purpose of it to be able to make plays in the NFT space and, you know, without having to put as much money up front and basically, you know, make an option, like basically doing options in stocks. You, you're thinking the price is going to go up, so you're going to pay it for 0 0.9 and you'll just sell it and then pay off the rest later type of thing. Um, so... Fair, fair play, I guess, to Blur. It did feel a little predatory. I know people are, are you know, debating if it was or not. Um, to me, if you're going to be playing with buy now and selling later during Gigapump like this or during any time you're asking to potentially get wrecked, you should know that you could get wrecked. So people that are going to use this... Um, are kind of playing with fire they're high high risk and leveraged and and all this so the potential audience for this already is gotta know what they're getting themselves into so it kind of is what it is they're just advertising it oh look there's a huge pump going on you could buy for 0 0.9 eth over here but with that being said a lot of nft space because there's not a lot of users of this blend protocol all did not like it um and we're tweeting about how it was kind of not cool for them to be leveraging this Elon Musk moment, Giga Pump, to do it. And they ended up deleting the tweet 
they said this was not meant to be an endorsement of any kind, but in retrospect, we see how it comes across poorly. We'll be more careful tweeting in the future. So there was backlash like that. I'm not the type of person to really, you know, give the backlash on Twitter. I kind of, I, I didn't love it, but it is what it is. Like I said, the peop the audience are, are playing with fire and they're leveraged anyway. And it is just an opportunity to potentially make, make a play. Also, while we're talking about Blend, D-Gods became the fourth collection added to Blur's Blend. Um, you can buy now, pay later, or borrow against your D-God. So, yeah. And also, as of May 9th, Blend had lended out $88 million USD in volume. And that $88 million USD is probably a small group of people, but it is an impressive amount of volume to have done in only a couple weeks now, I think it's been. Uh, for the blend protocol, but yeah, uh, they they got involved with the Milady pump, and and it was a really interesting, very short period of time there on Twitter with the Miladies flying, Elon tweeting about a blur, deciding to be a side character, uh, people getting mad at them. It was interesting. As always on the podcast, we'll take a look at the ENS sales that have happened in the 24 hours before the podcast. So um, there's this sale here involved in this. Um, 0x8200.eth, so that's part of the 0x10k club, sold for 16.66 ETH here it says, but none of the sales bots on Twitter picked it up, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense, so I don't know what happened there, so I wouldn't take this information and go run to the OX10k club or anything like that. Um, because it seems a little off and it doesn't know what happened there, I'm going to consider it not a legit sale. I'm going. It, I'm this. That's just the assumption I'm going to make. It's not legit. But the next highest club in volume in past 24 hours is the 999 club with eight ETH in volume, and then we have three-digit palindromes with the same amount of volume. So the second and third clubs eight ETH in volume comes from one sale 757.eth sold for that eight ETH. It's a palindrome. And it was sold for 80, so that accounts for both those top categories here. And the fourth highest category is the five-letter dictionary has 80 in volume, which, if you look at the top sales, correlates exactly to E-I-G-H-T, 8.E, selling for 80, fitting. The last top sale we haven't talked about yet is SmurfSociety.E, sold for almost 10 Ethereum. And this is probably the highest real sale in the past 24 hours. But what's interesting here is that SmurfSociety.E is the name, the Smurf Society, of the Web3 project, the entering into Web3 of the Smurfs IP, which I'm sure you've heard of from movies and stuff like that. They're, they're a pretty big IP. They've entered Web3, and this is the name of their project. If you're on YouTube, you can see I have a screenshot of their Twitter page here, the Smurf Society with 60.3K followers on Twitter. So as I've mentioned in the first episode of this podcast, Tip of the Iceberg, is the re one of the reasons I love watching ENS sales, other than the fact that I'm just big into ENS, is you can see when companies or big influencers or just big names in any capacity are purchasing their ENS name. And it's just really nice to see. So I really hope this is legit. There hasn't been confirmation yet. People on Twitter are asking, was it really them? Um, 10 ETH would be a large sale if it wasn't them. Um, because if you're expecting to spend 10 ETH on this name that wasn't minted long ago, and then profit when you do try to sell it to your one end buyer here, that's a tough play to make. So 
I'm hopeful that it's them, but there's not confirmation yet. Let's hope it is because it'd be another nice ENS sale to see. And then we also have the top offers on ENS in the past 24 hours. Um, there's just some some repeating 10K Club 4444-9999-5555. I'll have offers of 9 ETH sitting on them right now. So those are palindromes, repeaters from the 10K Club. They're not likely to get ex accepted because those numbers have offers higher than this at times pretty regularly. But the one other offer here is that Pepe.eth has 20 ETH. It always comes back to Pepe apparently these days when you're talking crypto or NFTs. But yeah, so 20 ETH offer on Pepe.eth. So just some other notes before we end episode. Legends of the Mara, as I said last episode, you need to keep an eye on them because they do updates on Tuesdays. They didn't have a Tuesday update, so I'm hopeful that means we're done doing a slow drip of information and maybe the game is nearing maybe Tuesday coming. We'll see, but they didn't have an update. Also, gas has been decreasing. This this combined with the Pepe bags getting heavier is showing me that meme coin season on ETH seems to be slowing down. And that, in my opinion, is a good thing because NFTs have continued to bleed because of high gas. The floors keep dropping because people don't even want to buy the floors because they don't want to spend $100 in gas, which is understandable. And on top of that, compounded, everyone's focus was on meme coins. So my one overarching thing I would say to keep an eye on for this following week or a few days is NFT floor prices. Meme coin season is slowing, as I said. Is the bleeding on NFT floor prices going to stop? So I would just keep an eye on that. If you're someone who's been waiting for the right time to potentially get some NFTs, the bottom on some of these, this is not financial advice, could have been in who knows just keep an eye on it i just think maybe now that gas is going down mean coin season slow maybe we're rotating back into actual nfts here um we have most of the players in the nft space weren't even caring about nfts for the past three weeks month however long maybe stuff starts to rotate back over so iceberg labs has another podcast called beneath the service we haven't had our first episode yet but it's coming and when it does, it's going to be about blockchain and Web3 infrastructure. Follow our socials to keep up to date on Tip of the Iceberg and this Beneath the Surface podcast. We're also going to have a blog on Iceberg Lab website coming soon. And the last thing is that none of this was financial advice. And I thank you for watching. If you have any feedback or anything, reach out to me or comment it on whatever medium you're listening to it. Don't forget to follow socials. Thank you so much. I will see you next time.